Chapter 19. There was no time to talk about it. We had to get the Skritna ship up and out of that cradle before it occurred to the Yerks that we were stealing it. No time to talk about it, but time to feel something of the terror Arbron felt. I had been in Taxon Morph. I had felt the hunger. I'd rather be dead than be trapped in that body forever. Arbron's weak Taxon arms pushed all the right buttons, and I felt the soft vibration of the engines reaching full power. The Ged controllers outside must have felt it too. Suddenly, they stopped pounding on the ship. They were probably running for dear life. The radiation blast of the engines would be captured and contained within the cradle. But if you were still hanging around on that cradle when the engines came on, you wouldn't last long. Ready? I asked Arbon. Ready. Then hang on, because I don't know how much of a kick these Skritna ships have. I punched up a burn, and we rose from the pad. Unfortunately, we didn't rise very quickly. What is the matter with this thing? I yelled. I looked at the airspeed indicator. We were doing a bare thousand miles per hour, and the acceleration rate was way too slow. It'll take us ten minutes just to get escape velocity, Arbron cried. Your ships will be all over us before we can even think about going to zero space, I said. The time matrix, Arbron said. We can use it. We can escape through time. No, we don't know how fast it works. If we try to activate the time matrix, the power signature will light up every York sensor within a million miles. What if it takes ten minutes for it to work? Besides, we don't know who else might get mad if you use that thing. What? You're worried about what some prince will say if we survive? No, I'm not worried about our superiors. Or at least, I figure my career in the military is already destroyed. Then what are you... Arbron fell silent. Then, he laughed. Are you kidding me? You're worried about some mythical Alamis? Mythical? That's what some people used to say about the Time Matrix itself. Someone built that machine. Who else if not the Elemis? And do we want to take the chance of making them angry? I felt a little foolish. My parents had told me Elemis stories when I was a child. Stories of the all-powerful, inexplicable creatures who sometimes interfered in the affairs of simpler species. I halfway expected a snide remark from Arbron. But Arbron didn't answer. He was staring at his display board. At least, I guess he was staring. Taxan eyes don't exactly focus normally. Yurk patrol ship coming up on an intersect vector. It's a bugfighter. Can we take on a bugfighter? Are you kidding? All the Skritna I'll ever have are second-hand low-power Dracon beams the Yurk sell off for scrap. That bugfighter has twin penetrator-class Dracon beams. We can't trade shots with them. He was right, and I should have remembered that. But I was shaken, confused. My brain was spinning at a million revolutions per second and going nowhere. I had to think, focus. The airspeed gauge now showed 2,020 miles per hour. The hull was blistering hot from the air resistance. Wait a minute, 
Bug fighters are slow in atmosphere, right? They can't handle the heat. We can. So far, at least. We're doing better than 2,000 miles per hour. We're faster than they are in atmosphere. You're going to try to outrun them in atmosphere? You have a better option? We have a second bug fighter on us. Arbon answered. Two more launching. We're going to grass. I said, hoping I sounded more confident than I felt. I'll need direct vision. Real time. Real aspect. Open a window. Arbon played his console, and suddenly the panel in front of me became a window. I could see the superheated air blazing around the ship. I nosed the stubby round ship down. As we dropped, we picked up speed. Passing 3,000 miles per hour. Down, 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 at over 3,000 miles per hour. The brown dust of the taxon world leapt up at us. Spacecraft are designed for the almost total vacuum of space. Usually they are barely functional in atmosphere. But the Skritna were scavengers who went from planet to planet, kidnapping and stealing and performing their inexplicable medical experiments. So they needed ships that could handle atmosphere. But nothing is really designed to do 3,000 miles an hour in atmosphere, let alone 50 feet off the ground. We had been 7 miles up, right at the outer edge of the Taxon atmosphere. We dropped back down to ground level in 5.8 seconds. Yeah! We both screamed in a mix of utter terror and shocking excitement. Let me tell you something. Millions of miles an hour in empty space is nothing compared to 3,000 miles an hour going straight for the ground. Palop! 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 I pulled up as the collision warning screamed in the Skritna language. We blew across the Taxon Desert, trailing sonic booms that must have sounded like nuclear explosions going off in our wake. Can you get the bug fighters on visual? I asked. On screen! I saw two bug fighters racing after us, one behind the other. Their hulls glowed bright with friction heat, but they weren't backing off. Fine, I muttered. Let's see who's faster. I raised the burn and felt a slight lurch as the engines pushed harder still. 3,200 miles per hour, Arbron reported. 3.3K. 3.4K. Hull temperature is... You don't even want to know. 3.5K. 3,500 miles an hour. The ground was a blur. We were a blazing meteorite. We were an arrow of flame as we shot across the Taxon world at impossible speeds. The scruffy bushes and stunted trees of the Taxon world burst into flame as we passed over. We were drawing a line of fire around the planet. Palap! Arbron yelled. Mountains rose like a wall. Where did they come from? I cried as I pulled up, straining every atom in the Skritna ship. The ship bucked like a dying beast in its final agony. But we climbed. Up. Up. Are we going to clear? Before I could answer, we shot over the mountain wall. I swear I heard the bottom scrape as we cleared the height. Unfortunately, the Yurks knew the local topography. They'd been ready for them. They had adjusted easily and gained on us. 
A red Dracon beam lanced past us, missing by inches. They were close enough now to shoot. We were approaching the dividing line between night and day. I could see it rushing toward me. Suddenly, out of the corner of my eye, I saw the lead bugfighter simply explode. The air friction had finally worn down its compensators, and the craft had burned into a cinder in a split second. Yaha! What you're fried! I exulted. Alfangor, we're next if we don't slow down. Orbron warned. There are still three bugfighters on our tail, I said. We are about five minutes away from burning up, Orbron said. Can you guarantee those bugfighters will cinder before we do? What do you have in mind? We take a shot. One, two, three. They won't be ready. They won't expect it. I turned my stock eyes to stare at Arbon. No one can make that shot. I can, he said. With taxon eyes? I didn't want to throw that in his face, but I had to be realistic. With taxon reaction times? With scrutinot targeting computers? I can make the shot, Alfangor, he said calmly. Look, Arbon, I want to come out of this alive. And you think I don't care if I live or die, right? He said bitterly. Maybe you're right. This hunger... Alfangor, you felt it. You know. But I can still make this shot. You always laugh at me wanting to be a hero. I said. Now who's playing hero? He didn't answer. I looked at the whole temperature readout. He was right. We would cinder in a few minutes. You know what's funny? I wanted to ask the captain what to do. It seemed ridiculous that I should make a life-and-death decision like this. Princes made those kind of decisions. Captains made those decisions. Only, I was the captain. And if I was wrong, we would dig a hole in the taxon dirt at 3,000 miles an hour. Okay, Arbon, I said. In ten seconds. Ten. Nine. Eight. Chapter 20 3 2 I killed Thrust and punched the air brakes. The Skritna ship shook. It bucked. It rattled. It vibrated. It bounced wildly just 50 feet off the grass. I was thrown off balance. I sprawled across the deck. But Arbron's rows of taxon legs absorbed the punishment. He never wavered. He kept his taxon claws on the targeting controls. Our speed dropped from nearly three and a half thousand miles per hour down to half that. In mere seconds. Too fast for the bugfighters to react. What happened next would make Arbron a hero. Our speed dropped off. The bugfighters rocketed forward and blew past, doing 1,500 miles per hour faster than us. Arbron fired! 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 Three shots at three targets, doing a relative speed of 1,500 miles per hour. Three shots in atmosphere. Three shots from a vibrating, bucking wreck of a Skritna ship. I dragged myself up and stared in disbelief 
out of the forward window. Three spinning meteorites, three balls of flame, slammed into the ground. They dug craters in the taxon dirt and extinguished themselves. Nice shooting, I said. Seriously nice shooting. Thanks. It turns out taxon senses and reflexes are good at this kind of thing. Guess that's why the Yurks use taxon controllers to fly their mugfighters. It's nice to know there's something useful about this disgusting body. We're going to find a way to get you out of that taxon morph, I said. I tried to sound like I meant it. What else could I say? Till that moment, I'd been too busy trying to stay alive to really think about what had happened to Arbron. Maybe we'd never exactly been best friends, but it was still horrible to look at his foul taxon body and think that this was how he would remain. To look into those emotionless red jelly eyes and realize that he was in there looking back at me. And I knew what he was feeling now that the battle was done. The terror. The despair. The awful taxon hunger. I turned the Skritna ship around and headed back toward the rushing line of daylight. What are you doing? Orbron demanded. I need a place to land and conceal the ship, I said. I need daylight, and I need to be closer to the spaceport. We can't just leave the others behind. Others? You mean Alaron? And the humans, I said. They are our responsibility. We are not going back to the spaceport, Arbron said. The Yurks are back there, and Taxons. They'll catch us. Do you know what they'll do if they catch me? They'll eat me alive, Alfangor. Arbron, you have to hold on. You have to try and hold on. We were racing back across the dark mountains, back toward the retreating line of daylight. Hold on? Hold on? Are you insane? If you go back there, they'll eat me! Turn the ship back! I'm going to use the time matrix! I'm going back in time! I'm going back to my life! You can't light up that time matrix! The power signature will be visible to every ship in orbit! Every satellite! Every... I don't care! I don't care if I die! Just let this hunger stop! Stop it! Stop it! Stop it! You fool! Don't you know I could eat you right now?! I turned my main eyes toward Arbron. I knew that inside there was a scared Andalite Arthas, but what I actually saw was the Nightmare Worm. What I saw was the sloppy red eyes, the round, gasping, eternally hungry mouth. For a moment that seemed to stretch and stretch, we stared at each other. I don't know what was going through Arbron's mind right then. I don't know what conclusions he'd reached. I only know what he did. He screamed in his slithering, high-pitched taxon voice. He reared back, practically laying the upper third of his body horizontal. And then he slammed down on me. Slammed his upper body down, red mouth open wide. I could have killed him. He knew that, of course. He knew that no taxon could hope to outfight an Andalite. But I could not kill him. Not even if that's what he wanted. I dodged to my right. He slammed hard into the instrument panel. Sparks erupted. He swept his upper body toward me, hoping to slam me against the bulkhead and stun me. I leapt inside his reach and struck. Slash! Two of his needle legs went rolling across the floor. 
slash, and two more legs were gone. Arbron sagged. The front part of his body could no longer be held up. He lay, fully prone, a huge, hopeless worm. Just kill me! He screamed. But I was busy. The control panel had been half-wrecked. The ship was bucking and yawing. It was unstable. I reduced power. We had shot across the line into twilight, but I couldn't see into the deep shadows between the mountain peaks. You can't leave me like this! Arbron cried. I'm going to get you help! I yelled. But I have to land the ship! Alfangor! You know what happens to wounded taxons? You know! I'll protect you! I cried desperately as the ship bucked and shook harder and harder. The two cocoon script seemed about to break loose from their moorings. The active script had gone into the cargo hold. Maybe, even as unintelligent as the script are, he knew better than to be anywhere near a hungry taxon. You can't protect me! Fool! Nothing can stop them! Nothing can stop the hunger! I couldn't stop it. Alaron couldn't stop it. Don't you understand? I ate, Alfangor. I ate that wounded taxon. I couldn't help myself. Shut up! I screamed. Shut up! I didn't want to hear any more. I couldn't. I had to focus. I had to land the ship or we'd both die. I had to shut Arbron up. I swept my stock eyes around the bridge. Where would the Skritna keep weapons? There. A green panel marked with Skritna script. I stretched my left arm to reach the panel. Popped it open. Yes, a handheld Dracon beam. Old and dusty and probably badly maintained, like most Skritna things. I found the power settings. I set it at the lowest intensity. What are you doing? Arbron yelled. I have to land the ship, Arbron. Keep quiet or I'll stun you. If you fire that thing, you'll kill me! Arbron said. You have the settings backward. That's originally a Yurk weapon. Setting one is the highest setting, not the lowest. Suddenly, I knew what Arbon would do. He couldn't rise up, but he could still scuttle forward. He came straight for me, rushing and slithering, as if he were aiming his round red mouth at me. He was trying to force me to shoot him, to shoot him with the Dracon beam set on maximum. But I was too fast for him. I twisted the dial to ten. I fired. And just as my finger was tightening on the trigger... I realized Arbron had outsmarted me. He'd lied, and I'd fallen for it. Arbron had always been a better student than me. He was a qualified exodatologist. He knew alien systems far better than me. I tried to stop, but my finger squeezed. The Dracon beam fired, on maximum power. But by chance, or maybe by some desperate, too-late twitch of my finger, the beam missed Arbron by a millimeter. Instead, it blew a two-foot hole through the hull of the ship. After that, everything was noise and spinning and pain and confusion. Hello, Phantomorphs, and thank you for listening to another episode of Audiomorphs, the Animorphs auditory experience. As always, I'm your host, I'm your narrator, I'm your sound mixer, I'm everything, I'm Daniel. How you doing? Uh, we're off the holidays, which means we're back to our regularly scheduled weekly release. Thank you for bearing with me as that release schedule got a little uh, wonky there for a bit. But we're back, and I actually really loved uh, recording these two chapters. I had a lot of fun with these ones. 
and I hope you like them. I don't have anything, um, you know, fancy to say here, so just, you know, if you use Apple Podcasts, leave me a rating and review. I'd love to hear uh, from you uh, via that method or by you writing in at audiomorphscast at gmail.com or audiomorphscast.tumblr.com. Both of those would be very cool to hear from. I love hearing from people, you know. Uh, be sure to check out my new side podcast. Uh, it's a limited podcast about Into the Badlands, the AMC action martial arts post-apocalyptic show. Uh, it's called Into the Radlands, and you can find that plus anything else I do on my website, theapodcalypse.com. That's the apocalypse. It's like apocalypse, but we threw a D in there right after the O. Please check it out. Alright, I've taken up enough of your time, so I'm gonna wrap this up, and I will see you all next week. My name is Daniel, and I believe one day, the Andalites will come. Until then, we fight.